Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that's not quite as bad as Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the lead in a Shakespeare play. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast coming to you for the 100th week in a row. I am your host, Brian Levine, and excited about tonight's show because in Pipe Parts, we're going to get started with digging into those oriental tobaccos that I talked about. We're going to start the uh, start the beginning and find out what's different about them and play around with those my guest tonight is a uh, young pipe smoker and musician anthony j houston and in music because we've got a musician on the show why not have some of anthony's music so we've got that to look forward to plus mailbag where i'll respond to an article on pipesmagazine.com and a rant at the end i do want to take this moment right now to say that uh Yesterday was a sad day for me. Uh, we'll go back to 1974 when my dad was playing piano part-time for an improv group. And sometimes we didn't have a babysitter, so I'd go along with him on a couple of the occasions. And one one night while I was there, I know uh, I met this young kid from, a uh, young improv comedian from San Francisco that was coming down to work with this group. His name was Robin Williams. And yeah, Robin... We uh, lost him, but uh, Robin Williams and Mork and Mindy always have held a special spot for me because Mork and Mindy was kind of the the first show that I found and that I felt was my own. It wasn't a show that was recommended to me. It was one that I found and kind of uh, helped shape a little bit of who I am and then, of course, some of Robin's great movies. And if you ever want to see just classic Robin Williams... uh, take a look at inside the actor's studio when he was the guest and it was epic but uh in the meantime i'd like to ask everybody to take a moment raise your bowls to robin and say thank you in the middle of the journey of my life i found myself in a dark wood for i'd lost the right path for all the laughter for all the enjoyment and for all the tears robin i hope you're in the light now rest in peace All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. 
Cup of Joes, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joes is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Anthony will be on the phone with me. But uh, let's talk a little bit about these uh, Turkish or Oriental tobaccos that I got. And I posted a picture on the radio show page for this episode of these seven different blends. And I'm going to go through them in order from top left to right. The first one is Izmir. The second one is Bosma. The third one is Black Sea Sokum. And then on the second row on the bottom on the left is Samsun. Then we have Yanija. Then Drama and Katerini. Now the, the tobaccos that I got are all cut and processed. They're ready to be blended into, uh, into the finished blends. And let me say, first of all, that absolutely nobody should smoke straight oriental tobaccos. Oriental tobaccos are not meant to be smoked purely straight. They are meant to be used as the condiment in a blend. Even if we went back to the Turkish cigarettes, they would, the all Turkish cigarettes of the 1920s through 1970s, they would have made sure that there were base tobaccos in there that might be just a generic or homogenized mixture, and then one of these condimental tobaccos put on it. Uh, Every pipe tobacco blend that has Turkish tobaccos in it, could be anywhere from 4% up to 12 to 15% of that oriental tobacco. The oriental tobaccos themselves are just not meant to be smoked straight. Uh, my first impressions upon opening them, and what I've done so far is I've started smoking two of them so that I can get my taste impressions of them. In order to do that, I've bought brand new Missouri Meerschaum corn cobs and I'm dedicating one pipe to each one of the seven blends and I've got to smoke a couple of bowls through of each one. Now, the problem with smoking these as straight processed leaf is that they burn really hot. So tongue burn or tongue bite is a major problem for me right now. I have to make sure and be real careful with them, smoke them exceedingly slow. And then sometimes in order to get the flavor out of the blend, you got to kind of heat it up and get it going. So yeah, my tongue is hurting from it and I'm having to take my time with them. And I'm trying to smoke them separately and get my impressions of them and then smoke them in comparison to each other and get my impressions of them. Uh, But the first impression that I had when I looked at them was they look very similar. They really look like they are really close in color, close in uh, close in texture. And then upon opening them, and mind you, I've had these now in these jars for 
about two weeks, and I added just a little hint of moisture to them so that they because they came back bone dry. Uh, the the aroma out of the jar is not dramatically different. Um, one thing that I did notice, and I'll do it again, uh, the Ishmir had what I would consider to be a little bit more of that that Turkish aroma. And the same thing with the drama. The drama had less of a grassy smell to it and more of that very fragrant, very aromatic, uh, very uh, traditional Turkish smell that I was kind of thinking of. Uh, the Black Sea... Sokum, probably the finest cut of them all, made me think maybe the leaves are smaller. I haven't I haven't smoked this one yet, but just from smelling it, I'm picking up what I think is going to be a heavy nicotine content. Uh, the Bosma had the least aroma of them all. Just really not much of a not much of a smell from it. And I'm really interested to smoke this. I know I've dealt with these before in different kinds of blends and, you know, tried picking them out. I also, going back to uh, my old days, also got to play around with just a, uh, just a blend of Turkish uh, or uh, Oriental varietals. And that's kind of homogenized. That's what most people will see when it, when it says uh, Turkish or Oriental tobaccos in the blend they'll see that homogenized blend that is now being grown in Turkey. So getting my hands on the true varietals is, uh, is a lot of fun. Anyway, those are the first impressions of them. Take a look at the pictures on the, on the uh, webpage. And next, uh, next week or next two weeks, we'll start talking about the smoking aspects of each one. So stay with me in just a minute. Anthony will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Satleft Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. 
Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Joining me on the phone, my guest for tonight is a musician and pipe smoker. And I guess what I think is the coolest about you is that you've picked out just really cool instruments to play. But please welcome Anthony J. Houston. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. All right, so where'd you grow up and uh, when did you start playing music? Well, I grew up in Crystal Lake, which is one of the northwest suburbs of Chicago and started doing music as early as um, kindergarten. I started on piano lessons. Uh, both my parents were very musical. My mother was a dancer, and my father was an actor and a singer. So me and my sister both were taking piano lessons as kids, and once I got into fourth grade, I could join band at school, so I started taking percussion as well. All right, so what is your primary instrument? These days, it's the vibraphone, which is a type of percussion instrument that um, it, most people are familiar with, like a marimba or a xylophone. And it looks like that, only the difference is marimba and xylophones have wooden bars, where the vibraphone has metal bars so that you get a longer sustain. And it's unique because it's one of the younger instruments. It was invented in 1914. And then the second would be the steel pan, which is the youngest instrument invented in its current shape around the 50s, and that's the Caribbean instrument made out of the 55-gallon oil drums. So what was it as a youngster that made you want to get into what's traditionally percussion instruments? Well, uh, you know, we listened to just a lot of a lot of different types of music, a lot of Broadway shows and stuff, and so jazz music was always, interesting to me and i just liked the idea of percussion and a lot of it went to when i could join band my sister is older than me so she played piano at a three-year more advanced style than i did so i just wanted something completely different to show like here's something that i can do that you can't do so i started playing percussion so the, the sibling rivalry pushed you in a different direction and it worked out. And percussion is just so cool because you could take on any role in an ensemble. You can be the main melodic voice or you can be the accompaniment like a piano player would or obviously the drum set. It, all sorts of different things that you can do where another instrument, it's like you're just the trumpet. And and you're not all, you're also not playing just simple drums where it's just the rhythm section you're you're playing part of the melody as well yeah um i i do i do both but most of the time i'm doing a melodic instrument whether it's as the lead like main melody role or in more of a support playing chords and laying down harmonies role but normally i'm on some type of melodic percussion instrument so you took you took music all the way through high school. Where did you go to college? Uh, I did my undergraduate work at the University of Dayton in Ohio. And I had always talked about going into music, but for whatever reason, convinced myself that I should go into chemical engineering. <laughs> and that lasted... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Complete shift. But, uh, and it was fun. I loved it. And I I was good at it, but... I was taking as many music courses as I was engineering courses, so my sophomore year I realized, you know, I should really switch over to what I always talked about doing anyway. So I did 
music ed over at um, University of Dayton, got my teaching license, taught for half a year in Ohio, taught for a whole year in Illinois after I moved back, and then I got my master's at uh, Roosevelt University in Chicago. Now that's an that's an MFA. It's a MMA, Masters of Music. Okay, just an MM, I think. Because I know there's a couple different versions, and so you're, I mean that that's really cool that you went back and did and went to the extra level. Um, currently, what really what pays the bills for you? Uh, playing shows pays most of the bills. Um, I teach lessons. I work at a high school doing their drum line. And I, since I still have my teaching license, I'll sub sometimes. But that's, that's like the, the slush. Most of the bills are paid with shows and working with Pots and Pants Steel Band, which I run with two others, Matt Potts, the founder, and our third is Christina Guerrero. Well, as a, uh, as a, as the father of a daughter that's a band geek, we always appreciate when a specialist comes in and works with one section of the band. Yeah, it's awesome. Especially if you're, uh, especially if your band director's uh, a low brass player, he's got no clue what's going on in in percussion. Yeah, and there's a, there's not many percussionists that go into that route. And I mean, when I was doing it, I would always any friend that was available to come in and help out with the wind sections, it's, you, you need that support because it's band directing at the high school level is one of the hardest jobs just because they expect this one person to know all of these things. And there's really no way for them to be an expert in every area. No. And that's the importance for kids to stay in school and learn and learn how to play in a band because it takes everybody excelling and it takes every bit of help that you can get. Right. So when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, when I was 18. My, uh, yeah, it was the, the summer of my, like after, when I was a senior in high school, near the end of the year, we started smoking cigars. But then when we all went to college, it was actually a friend of mine who went to the University of Chicago. He met somebody while smoking a cigar and his friend said, have you ever tried a pipe? And he said, no. So my buddy Adam got into pipe smoking. And then when we all came back in town for Thanksgiving, he bought me a corn cob and I liked it. So for Christmas, he got me a rat ray. And now I have just within my view, six pipes and significantly more staff in various corners of this apartment. (laughs) So, so you're you're 26 now. You've been smoking for eight years. Do you remember the first tobacco that you smoked? No, I don't. So, um, probably something GLPs. Um, the so the guy, I guess my pipe grandfather. So the guy who got my friend Adam into smoking. Um, actually, also a Pipes Magazine forums member. Uh, he, he's just a big GLPs fan. So that's probably what I started on. And in either case, that's pretty much what I've stuck to since I smoke some other lines, but I'd say 90% of my tobacco collection is from GLPs. 
when you started a smoke when you started to smoke a pipe and now that you've learned some technique and you've had some time was there something was there something noticeably different anything changed for you yeah i mean my my taste definitely changed mostly my tobacco taste changed because i started smoking a pipe when i was smoking cigars i was doing a lot of the uh like infused cigars, like acid lines and Drew Estate stuff. Um, and I liked that a bit sweeter flavor at the time. But then my pipe smoking started with English blends, and I just fell in love with them right away. So I'd say the fact that I started smoking a pipe was probably the biggest change in my experience with tobacco. But over the years, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's different. I by my like I pack a pipe without looking at it and every once in a while while I'm doing that I just stop and think like man four or five years ago I would have spent 20 minutes just concentrating so hard like how does this tobacco go in here and now it's like an afterthought half the time so you said that your taste in tobacco have changed has has your taste in cigars changed as well absolutely yeah I uh just very much much stronger and more of the like raw tobacco flavors are much more preferred now um since i don't do them too often i can normally get something a little nicer and i normally just keep a box of uh padrones maduro wrappers something from one of their lines around the house but sometimes like avo will release special music themed cigars that i normally try to get a box of when they come out and but yeah, normally something Maduro, something real strong, and definitely no more of the infused. So just I've, I have them from time to time if a friend buys me one, and it's not that I can't smoke them. I just definitely don't prefer them anymore. Can you describe for us just the the difference in the smoking experience for you in a cigar versus a pipe? Um. Well, there was a time when. It was all like just a special thing because I was just younger, didn't have as much money, didn't have as big of a collection. So anytime I would smoke, it'd be a unique and like exciting experience. But now that I'm a full-blown pipe smoker, I, I think the big difference is with a pipe, sometimes like right now I'm just smoking while doing an interview. And if I'm doing work in my apartment, I'm smoking and most of the time, if I'm driving, I'm smoking, but I'll take time sometimes, especially with the new blend, to, like, focus on a pipe. But with cigars, since they don't happen as frequently, it's normally a, I'm going to sit down and smoke a cigar and think about it and maybe have a friend over and smoke one with him. And But we're really focusing more on the smoke there where a pipe is just part of every day whenever i can that's perfect hey we're gonna take a break right here when we come back we'll talk more music so stick with us we'll be back in just a minute
Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. This is Colin Rigsby, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. We are back still visiting with Anthony. Uh, Anthony, you're, you've got three distinct different styles of music that you that you play in. Am I getting that? Am I getting that right or am I goofing that up completely? Well, that's probably accurate to some extent. Um, there, there's such a wide variety that I'd be interested to see how you're categorizing the three. Uh, I'm going to guess, well, the jazz band, which is the jazz band's name is Totem. And you perform throughout the throughout the Chicago area. Uh, yep. And then Pots and Pans is the steel band. Yep. And then I would imagine that there's also some occasional classical work that you get. Yeah, actually, that wasn't even on my mind when you mentioned it, but it does come by for sure. So I just did a timpani show recently. So. So which is is one of the genres more? more your style than the other one is there something that you like about each one yeah well it, it's interesting because so with the steel band stuff we're doing a lot of calypso and reggae and things that people expect from a steel band but part of what we do with pots and pans is just spreading the awareness of what the steel band is and where the steel pan came from and the history of it from trinidad and tobago which most people don't realize. Um, and it, it's such a young instrument that even when it was formed, people were struggling to get people to accept it as an instrument. So the cool thing about that is, although we play the calypsos and the socas and the reggae's and the things people associate with the islands, we also play classical music. We also do a lot of jazz, which is my real cup of tea. Um, we do pop tunes, uh, one, one of our most recent additions to our website is we put together a video of Pharaoh Williams happy uh, <laughs> you know recent pop tune and so we put that together and it's just kind of showcasing that the steel pan can play in any style of music so that's neat over there but when I'm doing the jazz quartet stuff that's I'm, I'm just happy there because it's although it's not as diverse in styles it's a style that I really like, and we we definitely focus on more of a 
not so much as like the old 20s style of jazz. Um, there was a, the way our group met up, we were in a combo at our school, uh, Roosevelt University, back when I was getting my master's. And uh, all of the combos for the school are style specific. So our combo was ECM, which was a German record label, and it's just all very newer stuff um, and much more based on just making a beautiful sound. So it wasn't just straight ahead, like dominant seven chords that you get in old blues and much just more rich chords and interesting melodies that take you places that you might not expect, a little freer. So I think one of the things that I like about jazz is that it, allows the uh, you, you can you can call almost anything jazz as long as the as long as the the group brings it under that kind of a rhythm and you can mix all kinds of different stuff into it but i want to ask you about mm-hmm. the, the the steel pans themselves uh inside inside the pan itself is each note and is each pan set for an octave uh no and the, the hard thing about pan is since it is such a young instrument, it's sort of standardized. <laughs> um, but uh, so the pan family, it's a, a whole bunch of different instruments within that umbrella of steel pan. And it's like the string family from the classical orchestra. So you have the violin equivalent, which is the lead pan. So if you see somebody playing one steel pan, that would be the lead voice, which is the highest. And those will normally have three upwards to four octaves worth of pitches inside. Wow. Um, The viola equivalent, double seconds, would have two drums, and that makes up that voice. It's a little bit lower. And that's when I go out and do solo gigs, I normally take my set of double seconds. Um, I just ended up with that one, just a preference thing for that sound as opposed to the lead sound. And I think that's because the range is almost the same as the vibraphone range. But the reason it's a little iffy is since it's not standardized on my double seconds, I have a low F where on a lot of the double seconds we teach our community bands with at our shop, the lowest note is an F sharp or um, some of my, other colleagues have double seconds where the lowest note is an E. And it just there's there's nothing totally set in stone. The basic layout is set in stone, but even then you get just different layouts that different makers will build the pan in a different way and that's kinda how it works, but <laughs> And actually instead of set in stone it should be set in steel. <laughs> right. Well it is. So- there, there is my joke for the uh, for the interview. Uh, they don't get any better than that. Let's go back to pipes the joke for founded and true. Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to pipes for a minute. Um, did you start off with a preference for straight or bent? Do you have a a size preference? I started off with a huge preference for bent. Um, I just thought they looked cool, and so the first. I don't know, four or five pipes I bought were all bent. Um, I don't even remember why I got a straight pipe the first time. It might have been the first time I did the slow smoking contest at the Chicago Pipe Show. Um, that would have been like three year, years ago. No, that can't be. 
that would mean I smoked only bent pipes for like five years, and then that can't be true. But whatever the reason was, I ended up with a straight pipe at some point, and I just realized like, huh, these are actually really comfortable and enjoyable. So now I have a big mix. I have a couple church wardens, and I like to mix it up. So you have pipes depending on what your mood is and depending on what the occasion is? Absolutely. Do you, uh, size-wise, do your bowls run large, small, or are you all over the place with that as well? Mm, medium to small, but I, I have a couple just big guys that I'll, if I'm going like out of state or something, I'll load those up for the car ride, but mostly they're medium, small, like group three, four-ish. Some, some even smaller, but... So let me ask you this. When you're loading one of the bigger pipes, do you pack it a little differently or do you pack it the same and just and just go on and hit the road? I pack it about the same and I generally get confused because it's like I generally do like the three stuff and I'm grabbing the same amount. And it's like, damn it, this is only half full. <laughs> what am I doing wrong here? And I have to just keep going. But I just keep stuffing tobacco until it's full and it normally works all right. Have you ever smoked a pipe during a performance? Yeah. Um, so this past year was actually a cool year for performing with tobacco because <laughs> I got to perform at the Chicago Pipe Show. They added a cigar night, but I pulled a pipe out during that because I am a pipe smoker. And then like two months later, I played in Chicago at the Iwanry's Tobacco Lounge which was also for a cigar event, but I had my pipe out during a good chunk of that. Um, for actual playing time, it's pretty tricky to perform and smoke at the same time, so it would be, you know, a couple puffs here or there during the actual performance, but uh, definitely, you know, at those shows specifically, the second a tune broke or we're taking a break, be lighting right up. <laughs> Um, all right, so what was your uh, when when you started buying pipes and getting into it? What was what was the pipe that you looked at and said, "Man, that's that's the one I want someday." Ah, see, I don't remember my early day pipe envy. Um, there was there were so many. I, I'm sure I looked at r really anything when I started it, any pipe out there. I thought was cool and i wish i had it um i always wanted a meerschaum and i picked one up at a garage sale actually about one or two months ago so that's that was a big goal of mine i always wanted a dunhill and my buddy got me one uh for christmas this past year so that was a goal of mine that's also been fulfilled and i always wanted a church warden and now i have two of them so now it's a matter of you know, the, the seven day set goal of all of them. <laughs> and for those that haven't been to the Chicago pipe show, can you describe what it was like your first time walking into the, into the pipe show? Mind blowing. Um, my buddy Adam had gone the year before me and he told me about it and he, you know, you try to explain it and I've tried to explain it to people, you know, it's, this large room where everything in there is pipes. There's people selling pipes. There's tobaccos you can try. 
uh, our first year that we were there, you could actually smoke in the room, but now there's this giant tent that you go out to smoke in, and sometimes there's samples on the tables, and there's food and bars and coffee for free, and it. you try to explain this, and you try to paint this picture of all the pipe stuff and all these pipe smokers there, and it, it never quite justifies how large of a scale the show actually is until you walk in that room and go, this is this is bigger than you explained it. <laughs> and no matter how big you explain it, when you see it, it's always going to be bigger. Have you gone to any other pipe shows? I haven't. All right, so the first the first time you went to the Chicago Pipe Show, how long were you there? One day. Um, I went on the Saturday. So that's on that day they hold the silent auction, and just because I was coming from Ohio, where I was living at the time, I could only get there for one day, and I was told that that was the day to go to. So, But I spent probably five hours there that day, walking around, smoking, and the cool thing, especially, I mean, at that time I was 19, so I would sit at, maybe I was 20, but you sit at a table, and all these other guys will, every once in a while, sit there for 20 minutes, and somebody says, mind if I join you, and about 15 minutes later, you find yourself in this cool conversation about these planes they own or <laughs> something else extravagant they've done. And you're sharing life stories with these old-time pipe smokers that have all these cool experiences that I haven't even imagined yet. Now that you live in the area, how many days are you out at the pipe show? Um, as many as I can. So this past year I was there. Thursday for the cigar show, which I played at. Um, so admittedly, that was a bit more of work than enjoyment, but still <laughs> super fun and totally enjoyable. But then Friday, I did have another show that I had to go to. But then Saturday and Sunday, I was there the whole day for both of those. From morning to night and in and out of the smoking tent and back and forth the entire time thought about getting a room and actually staying down there but when i have a 30 minute drive back to my place i just couldn't justify it this time well and as big as the hotel is some rooms take you 15 minutes to walk back to right so you were halfway home at that point all right i got a personal question for you because you grew up in the chicago area what's your mm -hmm. favorite chicago pizza there's actually a place relatively local to the suburb I'm in, Crystal Lake, called Giorgio's, and something about their sausage mixed with their sauce that's just right for me. Um, if you're coming into Chicago and you go to Giordano's, which is one of the big deep dish places that gets talked about a lot by outsiders, yeah. it's very similar to that, just slightly off, and I just, I really like it. Now, if we're coming to Chicago and we want to see you perform, how do we find out where you're performing? Or if we live in Chicago, how do we find out where and when you're performing? Um, the two best places to go would be my website, which is AJH Vibes. So AJH for Anthony J. Houston, and then Vibes is short for Vibraphone. And it's AJHVibes.com. And on there, you go to upcoming events. And I generally will update that at the beginning of each month. And that 
tends to be accurate, but anything that I book for that month during that month, I don't often have time to get up on that site. So the thing that's constantly getting updated because it's a lot easier to do from my phone would be my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Anthony J. Houston. And J is spelled out J-A-Y. You've got a middle name that's a name and an initial. It's awesome. Same middle name as Homer and Bart Simpson. And they're from Illinois, too. (laughs) With speculation, yes. Yeah. So coming up, I'm on your website, and this uh, looks like this weekend you're in St. Charles, and then you're doing a parade in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, So the thing in St. Charles is a horse and drum show, and they have a renaissance fair and just like a whole bunch of different like neighborhoods of different activities going on. So we're bringing our community band out there and we'll actually be around for a couple hours before the performance, just set up in a gazebo sort of like a booth and people can come talk to us and look at the instruments and check it out. And then we perform from four to five. And the pots and pans group plays the first Saturday of the month at Pablo's Mexican Restaurant in Crystal Lake. So that sounds like good food and good music. Yeah, it's great food, and I might be biased here, but great music as well. So We will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What's your favorite pipe? Um, the Dunhill I'm smoking right now. And what's your favorite tobacco? GOP's Meridian. What's your favorite drink? Uh, 16-year-older scotch, single malt. That 15-year-old stuff just doesn't cut it. No, slightly too young. (laughs) When it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Probably a movie. And finally, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking memory? Uh, Too many to count. Fishing while smoking, um, meeting friends while smoking, going to a show while smoking. (laughs) Anything while smoking becomes a favorite memory for at least a while. And finally, as you know, I like to play a piece of music from each artist, so you're kind enough to send us a piece. You want to tease it a little bit? Yeah, uh, this is me on vibraphone, and it's with the other members of the Totem Jazz Quartet, and um, this was from this past year at a live performance and recorded, um, and I hope you enjoy it. Anthony's website, again, is ajhvibes.com, or if you come to the Chicago Pipe Show, you can see him. Check out his website for all the performances and stay tuned in just a minute for some of Anthony's music. So, Anthony, thank you very much. Absolutely. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. 
Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back to the show. Still to come, mailbag and rant, all that. And right now, music from Anthony. This one is called Icarus, and it's recorded live.
The tune is called Icarus by Ralph Towner, performed by Totem, and that was performed live at the Jazz Showcase in Chicago. Master, I have mail for you. First in the mailbag, let me respond to my friend Steve Morissette's article in The Gentleman Smoker that came out recently on PipesMagazine.com. And he talks about unlined jackets and uh, blazers for summertime, which is great. But then he talks about thin-walled pipes. Now, I have a requirement that every pipe that I own have a quarter inch of wood all the way around the bowl. He blames uh, us smokers for heating up the bowl or heating up the pipe or over-smoking it. Uh, and perhaps during the summertime, you know, or when we're outside and we want a smaller pipe, yeah, we get stuck with a thinner walled pipe. Well, part of it's lifestyle, and yes, part of it is the smoker. However, I will say that during the summertime, if I can at any way possible, I'm going to go towards the thicker walled pipes. Why? Because I live in the south where average temperature during the summertime is 88 degrees and average humidity is 70%. I want as much wood as possible on the pipe to handle the heat. I want as much wood on the pipe to help pull the heat from the tobacco out into the bowl and then help dissipate it. Now I realize that that's contrary to what my friend Steve says, but hey, I am the leading expert on my opinion, and you're welcome to it. Uh, Unlined jackets, great for the summertime. However, during the summertime, I don't really want to wear a jacket too much. All right, in the mailbag, a couple of comments real quick. Both uh, Dredd and uh, Timothy from uh, Vegas, R-S-U-N-N-V, both agreed that that was a great show last week. Uh, Dread said hats off to Brian, Kevin, and Taylor for showing that pipe smokers like everyone are all kinds of different people that come together because of our shared passions. Dread said I wholeheartedly agree. It was another great show. I can't think of another of any other activity where folks from all walks of life can sit around and be one. Uh, a couple of folks were uh, surprised and happy to hear about the W.O. Larson brand. I didn't know, uh, I personally didn't know that it was that big of a secret, but uh, apparently there was a few folks that were really surprised to find out that some of those old W.O. Larson pipes were made by some of the great pipe makers. And in fact, uh, Riff Raff says, great information on W.O. Larson pipes. This show is a bit of a double-edged sword. I love the information about pipes to watch out for, but then a run on these pipes ensues just after the airing of the show. It's a testament to your popularity among pipe smokers and your increasing audience. I love to hear about everyday pipe smokers as well as newcomers. It's always interesting to hear how they got started. I find it remarkable that without any prior smoking experience or external influences, she decided to start smoking a pipe. It is cool to hear her perceptions and experiences. I have only been to Walt Disney World one time, the day it opened. I'm more of a West Coast rat and lived only minutes from Disneyland when I was in the service. I went there five times in one year. Hmm, how about a pipe show in Disney World? The best of both worlds. Uh, So Riff Raff brought up an idea that I'd been kicking around in the back of my head for a while. And here it is. I'm going to float this one out there. Can't really do a pipe show at Disney World because Disney's smoking areas are usually two park benches. And that's about it. But 
Uh, as you all know, I just recently came back from a cruise in June where there was a very large indoor smoking lounge that was available 24 hours a day for pipes, cigars, and there was a bar open from 8 to midnight. How many of you would be interested in a cruise that was pipe smoking related? And my wife and I were discussing this idea, and I bounced it off of Kevin Godby real quickly. Here's what I'm thinking it would be. It would probably be uh, summertime or early June, so that those of us that are in school wouldn't have to worry about missing school. Or those of us with kids wouldn't have to worry about kids missing school. But it could be anywhere between uh, five to seven days on a ship out in the Caribbean, and I would think we would put together an hour or two program every day where we might have different tobacco samplings or different pipes to show. Uh, commerce on there is going to be a little difficult because the ship wants to sell you everything possible. But I can't see them bothered by uh, the showing of sample products. Or we can just sit around and gather every, uh, every day and talk about different packing techniques and stuff like that. Uh, estimated cost for the cruise, and this does not include airfare, but it would probably go out of Miami and I'd have to find the right ship and find the ship willing to do it. Uh, about $600 per person. That would include uh, meals and water, coffee, and tea for the entire cruise. The only expenses you'd have on board the ship, if you've never been on a cruise before, would be uh, soft drinks and liquor. And in fact, we might even be able to get their retail department to come in and do a little liquor sampling for us because they do those on board the ship and uh, they might have a captive audience for it. So if $600 or so plus airfare and that $600 is if you share the room with somebody, um, $600 sounds reasonable. Let me know. Post in the forums, send me a private message. I want to see if there's interest in this. We need about, uh, my guess is about 24 to 30 people to make it worthwhile and to make the cruise line interested in it. If you are interested, post it on the forums, post it on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show's page itself. Hit me up on Facebook, send me a private message. I'll start keeping track of people and see who's uh, interested in a uh, smoking cruise out on the water. Uh, upcoming shows, uh, JT Cook will be my guest and, excuse me, we're going to pre-record that one completely because my travel schedule is getting exceedingly bumpy. Uh, in fact, in 10 days I leave for Columbus, Ohio, so hope to see you all at the NASPC show, actually technically in Dublin, Ohio. And then our second anniversary show is coming up and we got a surprise for that one. Is uh, I'm looking. I'm even looking forward to this show because that's how big the surprise is. But lots coming up for you. Remember, if you get a chance, please keep those ratings and reviews posted on uh, iTunes. And now Stitcher Radio takes ratings and reviews. We've got two there already. Let's see if we can run that number up. All right, in just a minute, rant time. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. 
Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. About three weeks ago on the uh, PipesMagazine.com forum pages, the diabetic man writes, I just got done with episode eight. His post is called Catching Up, so he is. Uh, But he just got done with episode eight. At the end of that episode, you celebrated Starbucks on smoking and guns. Oh, how quickly freedoms are removed. No guns or smoking. Or anyone else the owners don't like. Yeah, I noticed that too. And uh, the minute they said no smoking on the patios and 25 feet away, I said, all right, that's it. No more. I'm just going to grab my coffee and run. And I have not bought a... uh, not bought a little brownie or a cookie from them since then, and now they uh, want to they want to get the guns out of Starbucks, and that's purely from pressure from the uh, from the more liberal anti-gun lobby, shall we say? Well, Starbucks bent over and took it from them too, and said, "All right, we're going to get all the guns out of our Starbucks stores." And that makes it even easier for me to just not want to stop by there. And besides that, you know, there's several other places where you can get good coffee. Well, Starbucks, you lost about two or three cups of coffee a week on average from me. I will still head in there in just a pinch, but you're right how quickly things can and have changed. I mean, look, I live here in North Carolina where there's no smoking indoors anymore. None at all. The only place you can smoke in is a tobacco shop. And it had to have been open prior to the uh, grandfather date of 2009. So, yeah, times are changing quickly, and that's why we need to get together as pipe smokers and get ourselves into pipe clubs, get ourselves into uh, pipe shows, and make sure and where we can smoke, get out there and smoke in public. It's uh, the middle of the summer now. The weather's the hottest it's going to be so make sure and get outside find your place find yourself a place where you can sit back and relax with a pipe and do it out in public so that they see what the modern day pipe smoker looks like and just a reminder if you want to find out about pipe clubs in your area go to pipesmagazine.com click on the forums page and there is a category down there for pipe clubs and currently there are pipe clubs uh the philly the philly's more 
Philadelphia's clubs got one. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, Ottawa, Ontario, Vancouver, Allentown, Bethlehem. Uh, the Los Angeles Pipe Club is getting fired up. There's a guy in Stockholm, Sweden, that wants to start up a pipe club. So get out there, check out the uh, forum page, and find yourself a pipe club where you can hang out with as a group. All right, thank you to Anthony for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the fine folks at Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy the way it is here on Earth. Until next week, this is Mark, signing off. Nano, nano?